Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Marsha Freeze, who will be sitting in for Matt Watson today. Now, before I let all of you know about all the great things that Marsha is doing in and around my hometown, I want to let you know that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. We can help you build a software development team quickly and affordably. As I previously mentioned, my guest today and co-host is Marsha Freeze. Marsha is the CEO and co-founder of DocuSyst. Now, I do love it when you're interactive, so I want you to go to docusist.org. That's D-O-C-U-S-S-I-S-T dot org. Marsha, did I get all that right? You did it excellently. Welcome to The Hustle. Thank you so much. Great to be here. We're going to talk about some interesting stuff today. Um, And before we get into that, I'm going to go ahead and give you the mic for a minute so you can let all the hustlers know exactly what it is and the problem you're solving at DocuSyst. Yeah, no, I'd I'd love to share. Um, You know, DocuSyst is a labor of love. I am. you know, often, you know, when people ask how we got started, I, you know, I said it was, it was by accident. Um, common. Know, yeah, very yeah. common. And, um, you know, just trying to solve a problem. So I'm a former collegiate coach, uh, almost two decades in the game. And, you know, coaches are some of the most misunderstood and in my heart, beloved people on the planet. And um, sometimes underappreciated. Very yeah. under, underappreciated. Yeah. Um, what people don't realize is that coaches face incredible legal risk and it's increasingly increasing every single year, every single month, every single day. Um, you know, and they're the one industry out there that faces legal risk that they have very few solutions to help them, uh, prevent that, you know, limit that risk and limit that exposure. Um, coaches are documenting the problems and challenges they face on a daily basis using pen and paper, Microsoft word, the really advanced people are using Excel. Um, but there are no software tools out there to help them. So that's what we developed. We developed a software program for coaches, those in the coaching industry or sports industry, um, to help them manage and maintain their personal documentation. So all the emails, the text messages, social media posts, conversations, things they're having. Um, And I think the really exciting part about that is not only giving them a tool, but now once they have that tool, they can start using that documentation proactively um, because our mission is to keep great coaches coaching. I have have a question. Sure. So you mentioned the quote problems or things that they face. So Uh, At a former, when I actually worked for other people before I was officially a quote entrepreneur, we used to say CYA, cover your ass. Um, And that was, you know, just talking about like having the proper backup to say, hey, this is the conversation that I had. Give us a couple examples of what coaches uh, like where um, the need exists, like, you know, and I'm sure that it has everything to do from injury to other stuff, but like, what are some, what are like two or three of the common things that need to be (laughs) docu-sisted? For sure. And, you know, every level and every, uh, you know, 
like sport or gender has different issues. Sure. So I'll give you the easy one for female coaches. Um, you know, they face a ton of issues with Title IX compliance, um, which in turn ends up being discrimination. Let's uh, define what Title IX is. It's an NCAA article. Yeah, but yeah Title IX is the federal law that mandates uh, organizations that take money uh, to offer equal opportunity yeah. and benefits. Meaning if you're giving out football scholarships, you have to give out some scholarships for women's rowing or something, right? Very much so. Okay. And, you know, that could equate to a numbers game. It's it's not an apples and apples comparison. Um, you know, just because you have 15 basketball players on the men's side doesn't mean you have to have 15 on the women's side, but it does equate to resources. And that's where you start to see the disparity, um, especially with female sports, um, because you think about how much money gets put into football and men's basketball and some of the marquee sports, um, you know, so you start having a resource deficiency. Um, I, I, you know, don't want to broad stroke it, but at the same time, very few institutions, um, you know, get Title IX 100% right. Sure. Um, so there is a lot of exposure that... And, and by the way, that Title IX's controversial for some. Very. I mean, just meaning like people have a lot of varied opinions on it, and I don't think we need to get into it. I mean, some of them are like, it kind of feels pseudo-political. Um, but, you know, that's... Um, I mean, it's... Uh, the, the NCAA is controversial in general in a lot of different ways. I mean, and, and that's, and I think that overall, the thing that people see with them is, you know, they look at, you know, like Alabama football, who's basically an NFL team. Very much so. And that is a way different, um, that is a way, a much different thing than the uh, Stanford women's fencing team which probably generates next to no revenue and has expenses and has a completely different set of needs. And, 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 you know, but the thing is, is the amateur athletes on the collegiate level are, are that, I mean, what 99.9% .9 of them aren't going pro. Well, and you just hit some, my, my spidey sense is going off right here. You know, the, the crossroads that college athletics is in right now is are they really amateur? Um, that's... Well, right. And that's a whole nother thing too. And you look at, we'll, we'll go back to like Alabama football, like they generate a pretty significant amount of revenue. I mean, you're talking like how, what's the, what's the ad revenue for those primetime football games. And that's where it becomes questionable because in some of those contact sports, those guys get hurt and they're done. And you know, like that is, and if you get into, you know, there's a lot of shows on Netflix that kind of show the alternate world of, of some of the football sports. And like some of these guys have worked their whole life and then they get a knee injury and, you know, then they're like, uh, we've been grooming this kid to be pro for 20 years. Now what? Right. And the, but, but I think the irony of college athletics is what most people don't realize is the vast majority of of programs and in sports, including men's football or including football, men's basketball, they're not revenue producing. You yeah, know, I, right. I think well, that people was, that think was a point. that. Yeah. Well, but not nothing significant. You might right. pay five bucks to get into the right. women's fencing meet, but I mean, there's not like, there's not a hundred thousand people right. there. But I, think, even with I, I think the thing that becomes most controversial, you talk about the amateur nature of this is, you know, the, the, the strict prohibition of some of these people to actually like create some income. I mean, I had a job when I was in college. Did you? Um, you know, I had a, a side hustle because at the time, athletes were not allowed to make money. Well, that's my point. And it's so it's ridiculous, too. Now, some of those rules were put in for what felt like the right reasons. But the ripple effect across the entire 
the, the entire collegiate structure. I think of like Oklahoma football in the eighties. Cause it really, and like, what was it? Uh, SMU football, which got the death penalty. Like, you know, you get boosters paying guys $10,000 a day to come watch an oil field and sit in the sun chair and, and do nothing. And that's where some of those, you know, what affected a, a very small number of people created rules that affected a huge number. Well, name, image, and likeness is kind of the new buzzword that's going sure. around. Didn't, you know, didn't it, the NCAA sue, EA or one of those sports things and win because they had a, a collegiate football game that had all the players' names and likenesses on and they were making huge bank off of it and they got nothing out of right, it. Right. I'm pretty sure they won a class right. action on that. I don't know what that equated to. Right. But you know, you had these, you know, you play Notre Dame versus Oregon and you're whoever and you know, they're using their names. And now in yeah. turn the student athletes are suing the NCA for the right to be able to do that. You know, the vast majority of coaches um, actually kind of support name, image, and likeness and sure. want student athletes to be able to earn an income. But what coaches do know is you are opening a Pandora's box that is really, really difficult to regulate. And, you know, it's, and the, these are the things that your platform is going to help them document, right? They, they absolutely need to be documenting this type of stuff because what's going to happen um, across the board is it, it, at the end of the day, it all comes down to recruiting. You know, even you think about small town programs and you think, well, they're not going to have the viability of an Alabama or, you know, a Kentucky basketball or things like that. But all you need is the local car dealer who wants to see that program have success. And all of a sudden, you know, they're, they, they can pay a, a men's basketball player $5,000 to show up their son's 14 year old birthday party. Um, it, at the end of the day, all of that comes back to, does it lead to recruiting advantages that really can't be regulated by anybody? You know what I think it leads to? What's that? All these guys getting paid anyway. Yes. <laughs> I mean, let's be realistic. Like, I mean, if you think that, uh, that, um, the college athletes that you watch on television and any of the, and in football or basketball, if you think that they're all just truly quote amateur you're wrong oh no 100%. i mean that like literally with the ncaa basketball right now and i god bless the kansas jayhawks thank you i'm a jayhawk but you know like they're one of the teams that's under the microscope that the 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 act of collegiate basketball players getting paid is so widespread they don't even know where to address it because they would have to possibly shut down ncaa basketball for a year but you know that's why you're not seeing people get punished with that and that's the crazy thing because that that falls under so they're not necessarily getting paid by the by the like bill self isn't writing checks to kids it's it's side entities and stuff like that and it but it affect it has a ripple effect and you know there could be there's definitely situations where the coaches don't care you look at the amount of money that coaches can get paid in some of those levels like i mean and then the performance that they have to come up with you know you get these guys that it's a whole nother can discussion about collegiate coaching and you know like i mean these guys, some of these guys getting paid seven, eight million bucks a year to coach a football team. And those are state schools. Those are technically state employees. So the highest paid employee in the state of Michigan by the state of Michigan is Jim Harbaugh, the football coach yep. by a long shot. Yep. The vast majority of states, yeah. The, yeah. the head coach at those state schools are the highest paid employee. Now, if you, and you have to think of people like, I can't believe they did that. Now let's, let's empathize with these guys for a minute. Okay, you, by the way, most coaches don't get paid anywhere near that. Yes. I have friends that actually work in college that are, my friend Ryan is a coach at Nebraska. 
he works for Scott Frost and I went to high school with him, Ryan Held. Hey, Ryan. Um, but you know, and they make a good living, but he ain't making 6 million bucks a year. Right. Now in that particular case, if you have, if you have an opportunity to maybe get that head coaching job and now you got to perform and you, you're looking at a potential payday, 3 million bucks a year for five years, $15 million. There's an, yeah, it's, it's tempting. But the irony of all that is, you know, like you said, um, you know, the, what that falls under the head coach responsibility is, you know, an NCA bylaw that they passed in 2013. Um, the irony is we know that the NCA selectively enforces, uh, yeah. that responsibility. And you said for that very reason, because at certain levels, it's, it's more rampant than others. Um, but the irony of that is it's, the actual like lower revenue sports coaches who aren't making a million dollars a year, those coaches who are literally losing their jobs over some of the most inane things, parent complaints and student athlete complaints. And, um, you know, just all these different things that go down in college athletics and in the sports world, those coaches are losing their livelihoods, um, over things that they literally have no control over. So then, and I know we kind of, we didn't get off track because because <laughs> sports. It, well, no, I mean this is, but this is the reality. We're talking about the coaching and the and the landscape that these people work within is very important. Now, when it comes to DocuSys, you mentioned that once again, go to DocuSys.org if you want to check them out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, enter DocuSys, and I have a feeling you'll find them pretty quickly. Um, so you mentioned earlier that a lot of coaches are. You, you mentioned kind of an archaic structure. Um, if I think of you recording something in a Word document and then you want to show me that Word document later, my first response would be, uh, yeah, you could have like made this in like five minutes, right? Yeah, for sure. But you can't do anything with it. Well, that's my point. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, and there's really no, like, I wouldn't really find that super credible. Right. Like you could even show me a screenshot of a text message and I wouldn't care on some levels because there's like a thing online where you can just make those right. and it's free. Right. You know, same with like tweets, like your friend that made the Facebook post that shows four famous people that said, Hey, I'm glad Ryan's in Kansas city today. Yeah. That was fake. <laughs> yeah. You can go do that too. Right. Yeah. So go check that out. I don't know what the, where you do that, but it's pretty easy to do that. So how do you, how, what, with your solution and your software, how do you, how do you maintain how do we how do we become credible there? Right. I, I mean, the big thing when you talk about coaches documentation and, and the word document is kind of the first step from the standpoint of, mm -hmm. of keeping their memories clear. You know, the coaches that have uh, brought lawsuits against their school, you know, the first time that they call an attorney, the first thing they the attorneys ask is, what do you got? Yeah, sure. What can you prove? Yeah. Um, you know, more than anything, coaches need to be able to put doc or put context around that documentation. Yep. So, you know, what is a, a tweet out in the ether mean until you put context around it, which is the meeting notes that you had with that student athlete, the tweet that initiated it, the email that you sent to the academic person to follow up on the missed tutor. So it, it allows coaches to put all of that information together in single records, or it could be multiple records over time to then provide context on the issue. Because I think a lot of time that is what, what is missing. Um, you know, anybody can make a complaint or, you know, file a grievance, things like that. But until we get the context around what has happened, um, you know, really who's at fault, 
And, and that's what coaches have started to realize is they need to make sure they have all of that in hand in one place that they can, you know, provide that to the powers that be and say, listen, this is what we've done. This is how we've protected ourselves. This is how we protected the organization as well as myself. So does DocuSyst work as kind of like a walkthrough or a template or a guide for like saying, hey, this is what you should have here, there, whatever, like it make it easy to just collate it and keep it? Very much so. And we we allow the coaches and users um, categories and and the more they file the the more detailed they file things the easier it is re- to retrieve so yeah, sure. we kind of teach them a, a file system um, the other piece of the program that's been real important is just we we have a follow through type process of like you know you can add your documentation and then we get to a point where it says okay here this is where you either need to follow up or you need to discipline um, you know in any in any business or any professional business um, you know if you have uh, issues with an employee, whether it be a student athlete, assistant coach, strength and conditioning coach, whoever it is, disciplining in itself is not enough. You have to show that you have followed up and followed through with things. Um, yeah. And it, whether it's a, in a coaching position or something else, I mean, these, and by the way, I've at times been not great at doing this in business. And then you got to let someone go and you look back at it and you're like, wow, I didn't really have a lot of documentation there. Now th- there is a lot of ways to kind of provide that you know like there's i mean for example like i mean our entire business communicates through slack and just different methods now that's not necessarily neat and pretty and fine but you know there are there are some ability to track that kind of stuff um some of the things that you know i've been you talk about the difference between someone calling you and saying blah 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 and you're saying okay and then there's never any there's not an email or anything to support any of that. Don't put yourself in that. He said, she said, and world. and you wish it was that clean, but the reality of it is when you're working within organizations where there's hundreds, hundreds of employees yeah. and they're servicing the needs of, you know, hundreds of employees, things get lost in the translation. I know I coach- do it. I literally lose it in translation. Yeah. We have 200 employees in the Philippines. Yeah. So I know. I know yeah. I mean, that can, that can be something. Uh, you talk about, and then, you know, I think what's kind of, what's cool about this is, so I could also see that in a, in a, you know, you look at an athletic department at any school and they're a lot wider and broader than you might think. I could see them having 15 different ways of doing this. A hundred percent. But yeah. you know, what's funny is you walk into any type of meeting in an athletic department and the first thing everybody does is pull out a notebook. Sure. And that's what everybody's using. They're using notebooks. And, you know, kind of the challenge has been is that the sports software solutions right now that are out there, um, one, they're not there to serve the coaches. That's never been. uh, What do they serve? They're they're there to serve the entity. They're there to serve the organization. Um, You know, but the other thing is people who have developed risk management software don't realize there's risk in sports. Um, you know, and that has changed in, over time because, as I mentioned, it's starting to become, you know, we're, we're really straddling that line. Is this amateur athletics or is this a pro team? Um, you know, like you said, Alabama football, that is not amateur collegiate athletics. So when you start looking at what, what is the goal, what is the outcome of the athletic department um, in a lot of cases now, it's not about just let's, you know, have a great experience for the student athlete and graduate them and move them along. It's dollars and cents. It's big business. Well, not only for the school, but for the athlete. And for the coaches, for all, for everyone involved. (laughs) Cha-ching. I mean, it's a, it's, 
I don't know. I, I, I stand on both sides. Uh, I, I think on many levels, the, the commentary of, well, they get an education. Eh, I'm not really fully buying that on some levels. I mean, some of these programs are, are just literally like lined up at the teller window, making deposits with fat sacks of cash. And, um, you know, I've known, I didn't play sports in college. Uh, I probably could have. Uh, I know a lot of people that did. And this is a huge sacrifice. It I mean, is it's a, huge a lot of work, yeah. a whole lot of work. And, um, you know, then on top of it, you know, putting people in, you know, now if you're in a scholarship, that's great. But, you know, there's more, there's more cost and effort in the collegiate experience and just tuition. And, you know, some of that I think is, is a challenge. I'm, I, I, I think it's a tricky conversation because if you're going to begin to give pay athletes, you're going to immediately create an issue where some, all right, so there's, I don't know how many division one schools there are in NCAA basketball. It's a lot. And the, I guarantee you the bottom 10% can't afford on, or might not be able to afford on some level to do that compared to like KU basketball, Duke, Kentucky. Like, by the way, if you play on the KU basketball team, you get your own dorm. <laughs> they have a plane. They do. You are basically a pro athlete. Right. And, you know, those are the, and the interesting things too is so while, while they can't, the programs can't play, uh, pay players, they sure as hell can pay coaches and you see weird stuff. Like here's this kid coming to school and now his dad's an assistant coach. Yeah. And he makes a million bucks a year. Now, if your dad gives you money. I don't think that's against NCAA rules, is it? No, and and they have parameters in place of like, you know, if you bring a coach like that on board, you know, the the time frame that you can do it, you know, two years before, two years after, that type they, of thing. Do, do you have eighth graders getting college offers? So, yeah, they plan, they think that out. Yeah. But, you know, with that, it's, it's funny. Uh, uh, he's such a interesting example, but Johnny Manziel – who played at Texas um, and then for the Browns for one year, who's noted as a troublemaker, his family's loaded and he was driving around, you know, a hundred thousand dollar bins. Like his family's for, I have family that's also from Kerrville, Texas and they're well off, but people are like, he's getting paid. No, he's just a rich kid. Yeah. And you know, you look at some of that and then there's, and then there's a guy that, you know, that probably on that team that comes from a family of eight that live in a one bedroom home. And it's a completely different reality. Yeah. So it's just so much different to to look at. And and then and I can totally understand the temptation for an athlete to, you know, you're talking, I mean, a lot of these people, a lot of these athletes are not from a position of wealth or anything like that. And if they get the opportunity to help their family out, hey, and especially with, you know, like basketball, like the one and done thing, like, why would I care? By the time you investigate this and catch me, I'm playing NBA. Right. And that's really like, so they got so many things in it. All right. So now we can talk about something remarkably controversial. Let's talk about Michigan State. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> who is the poster child for systemic failure yeah. and probably for lack of documentation. Well, I mean, was it lack or was it just not uh, hidden? The, or, or, or not exposed. I mean, what's the difference? Um, I mean, the, yeah. I can't, there is a difference. Yes. Cause one, you actually are now not only now you're covering things up, 
But let's use that as an example. Now with DocuSyst, is this something that like who gets, if they were using Doc, I'm assuming they weren't. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that'd be an interesting, that'd be an interesting ship to sail with right. uh, with your startup. Right. But um, maybe not a good one. Right. Uh, you might want to call them though. They right. might be a good potential client. They might have a need. Yeah. So, you know, they had failure on multiple, I mean, all of it, all of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> all the way to Olympic sport. Right. Um, so with DocuSyst, who would have access? Like if we were looking at that example, like with the athletic director, different people, they would all have a bird's eye view on the different coaches and different stuff. How would your solution have helped prevent some of that from occurring? Yeah, well, I, is I that mean, a tough question? It or is, is a that tough easy? question because stuff like that. Uh, well, because you, your software can't prevent people from being creepy, weird, yeah. and just a-holes. and and don't want yeah. them to, and don't want it to. Sure, um, sure. You know, I I think you know people right now are looking at DocuSys for their own personal needs. And that's, again, why it has not been developed for the overall athletic department, because, um, you know, ADs, you know, also realize um, that their jobs are on the line. Um, It's kind of that mentality of first one in, last one out. It's a game of, you know, who gets to keep their jobs the longest. Um, You know, there's an adage among coaches uh, that every coach will tell you it's not about if you're going to be fired. It's when, Yeah, sure. um, you know, and ADs are similarly on that block, obviously with Michigan state, you know, half the athletic department lost their jobs. Um, you know, the most recent one with Michigan state is their football coach just retired yesterday. Yeah. Uh, this week, just shortly after he got a $4 million bonus. Um, can you blame him? I would have stuck around. Can't for a blame him. Um, I don't know if most people realize is realize that there's a lawsuit going yeah. right now against him, against the athletic department, against the AD. Um, so there's always. And what, what are some? Of, what are some of the things that the worst? What are the some of the basis of the lawsuit? Was it? It's a recruiting issue with a with an assistant coach. So okay. where assistant coaches face risk, and I was in these shoes myself um, for, you know, I was an assistant coach for almost 10 years, um, you know, when it comes to recruiting and, and things like that, um, if there is blame to be placed, it's going to land on the recruiters or the recruiting coordinator, whoever that person may be. So in this case, Michigan State uh, had signed a student athlete that uh, – Several of the assistants, including the one suing, had basically done their due diligence and said, we can't touch this kid. Uh, he's got, you know, history of prior bad acts and, you know, we don't we don't need to touch this. Um, come to come to fruition. They signed the kid. He played there. Uh, more bad acts happened under their watch. Um, they finally cut the kid loose, but also cut the assistant loose, who basically was more like more or less like a whistleblower. Um, and so now it's a he said, she said of, you know, who was to blame, you know, and, and as an assistant coach, a, you know, a, a Big Ten football assistant coach, I mean, you're looking at a 200000 on up a year salary. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking about their livelihoods being ended. Um, you know, they get blackballed from the business, things like that. So uh, there's risk and so, liability so in, for in both this, people in that in that situation. In this case, that coach, if using DocuSys, could have been clearly saying, hey, look, here's the incident. Here's the point in the timeline where I said, look, this might be a problem. But it's not his decision whether to offer that kid a scholarship, is it? It is not his decision. Okay, but it is his job to raise those red flags. To raise the red flags and the follow-up afterward. You know, so in that case, an assistant coach would have documented those meetings, documented the conversations, who was in the room, 
Are there, you know, this is where I see a problem. This could, this is what could occur. This is what might occur. This is what has already occurred. I, I mean, we've yeah. seen situations where, you know, obviously people know they probably shouldn't be texting, but there's always texts. There's always texts out there. When you, um, when you mention that, and I don't think most people listening are going to know what you're talking about. Um, you had the coaches have limitations for contact. Yes. Yeah, for anything. Um, I don't even know what those are, but I mean, they, they fall within specific periods and definitely the number. Yes. Right. Yes. And okay. it's different for every sport, every level, D1, D2, D3. How, how, do you, like that. how do you bring that into a system? Do you have to, I mean, how does that, how do you track that? Yeah. It's um, their, their email address, whatever one they choose um, is linked to their account. So they literally screenshot uh, texts that they have available and upload them into their system. Once they're in their system, they can put context around them. They can put categories, departments, personnel, whatever it is, they can put context around those text messages themselves. It's also kind of a good, uh, once it's in there, can you, uh, what do you have? I would imagine you have to maintain integrity that yes. it can't be changed, deleted. Yes. yes. How do you do that? Yes. Um, well, they, they're the only ones who have access to those files. So part of the program allows them to, you know, say it's a, a head coach using the system, uh, their assistant coaches can add to their documentation. But once that information is uploaded into their their programs, the assistant coaches can no longer, um, you know, mess with that. They can't delete yeah, that it. Would, they can't I, I would it. imagine that because yeah, that would be my first question yeah. is what's the level of stability? Like on some levels, things like blockchain uh, are that's where those are applicable examples of not being able to change. Like right. it's here it is like right. you cannot alter this. Right. And that's why some of that, that some of that tech is interesting just yeah. because it, uh, um, when you create those, those, uh, um, records that are uncorruptible or at least in theory are. Right. And that's, that's the whole point of, of maintaining some of that information. Right. People are like, what's up with blockchain and crypto and why would a bank care? I'm like, cause if you have an eraser and a ledger, you right. can change, you can take a zero off a million, steal $900,000 right. and leave a lot of people wondering. Right. That's why. Right. And th those kind of things with modern tech um, are where I think over the, the remainder of my lifetime and the next 50 years, you'll see a lot of things. You probably won't even see them, people. They will be going on in the background. Right. And I think that with what you're doing, and I commend it because it's, a, it's an, an interesting solution. You know, when you look at coaches, everyone growing up had a coach. Um, as adults, people have coaches. Um, there are different types of coaches. I know a lot of people that use different types of business coaches. I actually mentor a couple people. This is coaching. Um, you know, I grew up, I played baseball, basketball, football, soccer, tennis, stuff like that. I had, I had some good coaches and I had some bad ones. Yeah. Um, one thing that people will overwhelmingly tell you is that an amazing coach, the, the things that come from that from kids is impactful for the entire entirety of their life um and you know one of the things that drives me nuts is okay i'm going to be honest and if you guys want to skewer me on this publicly fine i hate the participation trophy yeah like i'm just not a big fan of that i got a three-year-old and a five-year-old and you know maybe i get it at that age but at nine we're not taking the participation trophy because in life, you don't get a fucking participation trophy, right? I don't come in second on a bid and they're like, we're given the contract to this other company, but here's, here's a letter that says that you also bid. Right. Now, at the same time, 
you know, part of, part of life is understanding criticism and guess what? If you're going to work for someone, you're going to be in an environment where you're told, Hey, this is what you, this, here's the play we're running. You didn't get it right. You didn't do whatever. And I think that what we're beginning to produce is a generation of people that can't take feedback because we won't let a coach tell a kid, you need to do this differently. Pay attention, do this. Don't yell at my kid. Well, and you just hit it on the head. I mean, if you haven't started doing youth sports yet with your kids, you know, my son is eight years old. I would go to his youth basketball games and I would sit there quietly <laughs> because that's what coaches do when they watch other coaches. Yep. But everybody around them are, is yelling at the children. By the way, you mentioned that I'm like that. Like you say, no, 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 no. Like you say quiet around other coaches. Like I get it. I, as I've been three and five, my wife and others have been, are you going to coach the software? Are you going to do this? You're going to do that. And and you know what? No. Yeah. You know why? Because it's freaking thankless. And I don't, so I officiated sports, but I probably spent more time officiating than playing. I was a baseball umpire. Did that till I was 20 years old. I actually considered going to the academy to enter minor leagues. And I was invited to do that and stuff like that. And the more I thought about it, I was like, do I really want to like have a job where like thousands of people are just going to yell at me and like hate me and like whatever. And like, does that really sound like I wasn't that passionate about it? Um, but the same thing with coaches, it's like, it's just tough. And like, for me, I probably, I don't know, I'd rather almost sit on the sidelines and cause I, I, you mentioned all these different things like, God, this is a controversy just around everything. And you think it's bad at the youth level, every level you go up, it's, it's worse. And, you know, obviously I've, I've been a career coach and my family sits in the stands and every year they would move further and further away from people because yeah. listening to yep. your spouse be berated for something they do full time and for decades yeah. is really is difficult. But coaches are kind of the last bastion of who is disciplining our kids. Or and by who, the way, those coaches don't get paid. No. Or it's peanuts. Peanuts. It's like they do it for the, I mean, yeah. you say the love of the game and that sounds cliche, but, but it's true. a lot of people just like doing it. They like yeah. coaching and yeah. like, and the thing, and now, you know, the thing that kills me, there's, you know, the world is filled with creepy people. <laughs> and I think anything we can do to get them out of the stream yeah. is good. But for the most part, people are good and want to do good things. Um, and you know, the thing that, it, and uh, on some levels, why I love what you do, I also hate that it is so feels necessary. It is. I mean, just being honest, no, like 100%. That, it's kind of a reflection on, on society in general, but a hundred percent. And here's the question I, I ask coaches every time we set them up, I say to them and they all laugh. I say, when was the last time you documented something positive? Yeah, sure. right. Oh, good point. And they're like, what? Great point. And I'm like, because I know last week you took a kid to the airport and the week before you were in the emergency room and the week before that you were helping them get into grad school. I know what coaches do positively, but we don't document that information. And so we don't ever level the playing field. So part of what our program allows coaches to do, again, is use things proactively. So I, I tell coaches, you know, Document every time you do community service. Document every time uh, your player gets an award for academics. Document that stuff. Once a month, create a report out of it. Turn it into your your administrator or sports supervisor, even if you don't get a chance to talk about I like it in that those a lot. meetings. I like that a lot. And, you know, I didn't even think about that until just now. Yeah. And that's, I mean. <laughs> Spread the word, Matt. Spread I mean, well, the word. Well, no, that's, I mean, it's the yin and the yang yeah, in a balance. lot of different ways. And, you know, like you said, it's easy to um, focus on, well, I mean. The my, negative. Well, highlight the, like, hey, look, we're making a lot of progress here. Right. 
um, it also, you, you get back to that kind of that cover your ass kind of thing. And you're like, Hey, look, it's, I mean, by the way, there is a 0% chance that you will ever please everyone. Yes. And you shouldn't coach if that's what your goal is. <laughs> Maybe just should go never leave your house. Right. If your expectation is to please if everyone. If you want to please everyone, yeah. you sell ice cream. I give away. No, you still can't oh, do it. Lactose intolerant. Good no, point. but people know. <laughs> someone will complain. Trust me. Someone will complain. It melted too fast. Yeah. The cone was, the cone dripped. I don't know. Trust me. They'll yeah. find a reason. Yeah. Um, my life got tremendously better when I quit caring about that. <laughs> Like, I mean, I say that I don't mean quit caring. I didn't like let myself go. I mean, I just really, probably 10 years ago, and I don't want to sound like sociopathic about it, but I just really on many levels quit caring about what the random opinion is. It's really easy to let one person out of a hundred bring you down. Yeah. So I just put my, I just have really created this interesting, uh, almost self-defense mechanism that just pushes negative negativity and negative people away. I'm like, I got, there are 7 billion people on this planet. I just yell next and find someone that is interested in doing positive and productive things. Some people are just haters. <laughs> haters going to hate. That's I'm being serious. Yeah. Like, so, and they will drag you down, yeah. like get away from them. Like I have a whole chapter in my book, Balance Me, about just that. Yeah. You can, you look at negativity and, and some of this stuff uh, and it is, it is a virus. If you put uh, someone in a room with 10 people spewing negative sentiment and you bring them out uh, 30 minutes later, they will be negative guaranteed. And if you put someone in a room on the other side, same thing. So, you know, now back to the coaching thing, I appreciate what coaches do, but some coaches are assholes. And they absolutely are. And, and <sighs> I think what's challenging is when I hear people go, oh, well, you know, why are you trying to protect coaches? They're all cheating anyway. Nah, I don't and, believe that. And, I, and I'm like, you know, to just to be a Division One athletic department, you've got to carry 15, 16, 17 sports. Even if you have one headline coach that's doing the wrong thing, there are 16 other head coaches at that school, along with their entire staffs that are doing the right thing yeah, every single day. True. You know, it, By it's, the way, people don't have a problem with coaches cheating. They have a problem with coaches getting caught for cheating. Yes. And there's a, there's a that, lot of that folks. That is a in, real statement <laughs> if I've ever made one. Yeah. A lot of folks in denial right now. Because well, that, but, that, but what I just said is true. Like people are really weird about their team and it winning. Very much so. And um, to the, and then it's just odd. And you know, the thing too, like with the collegiate sports and you talk about boosters and boosters are people that provide money to the athletic department. Well, the athletic department has to pay its bills. And some of these people write big checks and the thing is for them is they're, they want to be close to the action. They want to be cool and important. It's like a backstage pass at a rock concert or they have the best seats or they have access to stuff like that. And it makes it pretty easy to, you've now, you've now let the Fox into the hen house yeah. in some regards. Now, and I'm not saying all boosters are bad, but the, the, so many of the issues and problems that have come up with the coaching structures and things that teams and, and, you know, athletic departments get in trouble from stem from that. Well, and a real easy example <clears throat> is what happened, uh, you know, the last two years at Memphis, um, oh, you yeah. know, Tubby Smith, oh, hall yeah. of fame coach, building a program, having some success. Um, they just, they wanted Penny. They wanted somebody different. Um, you and know, that's, the, that's Anthony Hardaway. Anthony Hardaway. Yes. Now, um, by the way, the, the projected number one pick in the NBA draft is out for the season due to recruiting violations because he paid them. 
or the family. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The irony. Well, I mean, and let's also look at that. That's a dude that made a hell of a lot of money in the NBA too. Yeah. I don't know what his career earnings were, but it's a lot. He had a, remember Baby Penny? The oh, little yeah. puppet on the Penny, Nike app. Penny. Yeah, he got paid for that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, and in By Tubby, the way, that dude doesn't have to pay someone to want to come play for him. You might be surprised. Yeah, maybe. I, I, surprised. As I looked into that, and, and our COO, Daryl, is at Fullscale has, and by the way, Fullscale.io, um, he, uh, he was, we were talking about it, and like, I mentioned how widespread the pain of the, college athletes were there's like a guy at colgate that they document document and they paid him like 150 grand like at colgate like really so what what do you get for going to kentucky because at that point it's about which coach can prepare you for the nba you know so i mean at least in tubby smith's case you know i they they paid him out they said here's your two years and you know, as much as it stunk, you know, coaches realized I it's think part of it. he's crushing it at Minnesota now. Is, is he the coach there or is that someone else? No, no, no. That's Rick Pitino's son at Minnesota. Oh. Um, but the difference is there's also coaches out there that they say, hey, we're not going to pay. We're going to find cause. We're going to find cause. Yeah, and that's in the, in the not pay you. That's, right, that's right. the I'm not going to pay you, but we're going to make some stuff up oftentimes to get you out the door. So we keep talking about athletes getting paid, but I would imagine another thing, and we can kind of wrap up around this, is things related to injury. Yeah, 100%. I mean, especially when you talk about concussion protocol, um, you know, like you said, kids that do have pro prospects that, um, you know, how you manage them is going to be huge. Um, You know, there obviously was a very high profile case a year ago, year and a half ago at Maryland, um, just tragic, the death of a football player Mm -hmm. um, because of, you know, they ran him to death when they acclimate him to the summers and things like that. Um, you know, that all, almost brought the entire Maryland athletic department down. Yeah. By the way, running wind sprints on a hundred degree day and football gear for a 300 pound guy, not a great, not yeah, a not great, great, not a good approach. Not great. Not a good approach. Um, so yeah, there's, but, but I think the common thread between a lot of that and, and not condoning any of that, obviously, but the common thread on a lot of that is we're asking coaches to be experts and responsible for things we have no business about, yeah. being a part of. And I think the most recent one is you know, student athlete mental health is a huge issue, um, not just student athletes, but students in general. We're asking coaches now to be mental health professionals, yeah. which is scary. And if you know anything about like HIPAA laws, which is, you know, privacy and I do. with health, health yeah. and things like that, there are a lot of cases where the coaches aren't even in the loop for obvious reasons for HIPAA reasons. By the way, and HIPAA is the rules that involve the storage and protocol around uh, medical data. And that is anything. Anything. So by the way, you mentioned earlier using an Excel. Yeah. uh, You would be in violation of HIPAA. Yes. To keep information there. Yes. Yes. Any of it. Like even if you're just saying this person is reporting XYZ and you mentioned asking coaches to do different things. It's like, They'll put some ice on it. Yeah. Uh, that might not be good advice, coach. So, I mean, we might be a bad idea. We've had several cases where God, you know, I really student... don't want to be a coach <laughs> again or ever. I mean, so you have coaches who are trying to manage student athletes and have no idea they're seeking counseling or they're on medication for things like that. And, yeah. um, you know, what you do know as a coach, you know, we'd have weeks we'd go in, hey, you know, Taylor's got a big week. She's getting ready for the MCAT or different, you know, like, you know, dial it down if she's real loose today or making mistakes. Like, so 
the more you know, the more you can manage properly the expectations of the kids you're man. But when you don't know anything, it's a really scary place for coaches to be because your job is to push them to get to the next place in their careers. And yet all of a sudden you realize I've got a student athlete that seems to be, you know, out of sorts and I don't have any reason, like, I don't know why. Um, we are asking coaches just to do a ridiculous amount of things, um, exposing them legally, um, you know, and at the end of the day, they know they're there to serve the student athletes. And it's just a really difficult spot for them to be in. Can I tell you about the last team I coached? Sure. It's uh, nothing but uh, a championship story. <laughs> I was 19. I worked for the YMCA oh, and I go. used to help them with their sports programs. And we needed a coach for a soccer team. Uh, and the team had two, the whole league had two teams in it. And one team didn't have a coach and they were kind of like the ragtag team. And then there was the other team, which had a British coach who was clearly into soccer, like all of it. But I had a pair of twins, a boy and a girl who were the only good players on my team. <laughs> and I put one of them in goal and let the other one run loose. And we went undefeated in our eight game season. And I think we probably outscored the other team about 80 to five. See, you would, you would get written up for running up the score. I, I couldn't help it. They were, the twins were that coach, good. Like I had to dial them back. High like, school coach would be reprimanded. Suspended. Oh, that other coach, the British guy, he yeah. was pissed. Yeah. They like ran plays and stuff. I like showed up to the game. I'm like, um, who wants to go in? Yeah. I was that coach. My, my best of, best advice for youth sport parents is get good twins on your team is to get some oh. duct tape, right? duct tape, kid's name as big as you can front back a shirt. You don't have to say a word. As long as the coach knows your kid's name, sure. they can get them from A to B. Well, thank you for coming in and talking about lots of great stuff. Um, by the time this comes out, it will have faded a little bit, but today's the same day that the chiefs are having a massive Super Bowl parade. It's and awesome. Thanks for, for skipping that. Yeah. To come talk. We did turn the startup hustle sign red. We are going to fly the red flag here in the studio for at least a week. And then we'll get back to work on certain things. Um, but congratulations to Kansas City sports team. Um, one of them. Um, you know, we've won three championships, soccer, baseball, and football, all since 2013, That's which amazing. is pretty cool here in here in the 25th biggest media market in the country. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's been, that's been fun. Um, so yeah, go chiefs. Um, once again, I want to thank you for coming in. We, the, Marsha Freeze, the CEO and co-founder of DocuSys. That's D O C U S S I S T.org. I'm going to get back to trying to put my playback, my playbook back together. <laughs> There's some other software for that I could yeah. put you in touch with. But I, I bet you could. And we'll, maybe we'll talk about that next time. Yeah, love, right. love it. Thanks so much right. for the invite. See ya. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.